you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined this episode by my cousin Joe out in Hawaii. Cousin Joe, what's up, man? How did you have a good weekend? A great weekend. It was awesome. Snuck to a beach. It's pretty uh, dodgy. Uh, they're giving out like $1,500 fines if they catch you sitting on a beach. Oh. So if you're at a beach, you have to be in the water or doing some sort of exercise. So, yeah, it's weird. And you're afraid of the water and you don't exercise. So I, I... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Sheridan Jeans zero <laughs> exercise. <laughs> Well, I had a pretty good weekend. The only thing I feel a little left out, I don't have cable or anything, and I I feel like I'm the only damn one on Twitter that's not seen this Michael Jordan documentary. Did you get a chance to watch it? Oh, did you know that ESPN has an app and you can download it, so the whole cable thing's not a good excuse? Oh, boom! No, I had no idea. So now, that was my last excuse why I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, welcome to uh, 2020. Uh, <laughs> Nice thing. I'm glad I could walk you into it. Uh, Disney actually did a promo. It was like the bundle, Hulu, ESPN, and Disney for like 12-something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I got it. But no, I haven't seen it yet because I have a life, and that wasn't really high on my list to do's. But I do want to watch it because I've heard it's amazing so far. Well, I've been stuck on Final Fantasy VII. Well, I'm glad you could talk all that shit. You haven't even watched it yet. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just, you know, tear you down and then build you back up. Well, all right. So, again, we don't have a ton of SEC news. That's why we're spieling about here. But, you know, I did really want to get your thoughts. I did mention this briefly. We're going to talk JT Daniels before we get into my updated SEC power rankings. So let's just start right there with the five-star USC quarterback in the transfer portal. I did a little column on it uh, Saturday Down South for anybody that missed it. And just my thought process with that whole thing, you know, this is a kid that was number one overall recruit, not number one quarterback, number one overall recruit, 2019 recruiting cycle. Now he's, now back then he skipped, instead of uh, going back through his senior year of high school, he skipped down uh, to USC. He just went from junior year in high school to USC, did not get there for spring, 
was named starting quarterback, was a starting quarterback his true freshman year, got hurt his sophomore year. They had another young quarterback step in. He played lights out last season, so he got to redshirt last season. Now he's in the transfer portal, redshirt sophomore, so he's got three years potentially to play. And this is a kid that they're saying, or at least when he was in high school, I mean, he's the same caliber as a Trevor Lawrence, same caliber of as a Justin Fields. So we're talking potentially, you know, the most talented quarterback Tennessee could have since Peyton Manning. I mean, they're talking that kind of arm talent. You know, taking that all into consideration, I know Tennessee's got a loaded quarterback room. They got a senior. They just signed their own Harrison Bailey, who rivals is rated as a five-star. He's a four-star on the uh, 24-7 composite, but five-star on rivals. You know, those guys are probably going to leave if they get a guy like JT Daniels. So taking that all into consideration, what's your thoughts as a Tennessee homer here on Tennessee being mentioned as one of the candidates to land JT Daniels? There's only room for one JT at the University of Tennessee. That's JT No, uh, that's amazing if that works out. Still super early on that whole thing there. But, man, uh, you know, you got everybody saying Harrison Bailey's the real deal. And he probably is. Like, all the highlights I've seen of him, he's amazing. But freshman coming in, it's really unlikely for him to be as amazing as everybody's anticipating. Like, Bo Nix, like, he came in with a hype train. Bo Nix did good. You know, but he's probably going to be way better next year because he's going to have that experience under his belt. But you have JT Daniels that comes in, who's like, in my opinion, like a more elite player. Like he's on a different level, you know? Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. And another way that I look at it, and I know Tennessee fans are not going to want to hear this because I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about Jeremy Pruitt, but if he fucks up this decision, I mean, he may never have an opportunity to get a quarterback of this caliber ever. So you got to take, I mean, you got to take all this into consideration. You know, it's not often that, you know, Ed Orgeron gets a Joe Burrow, you know, that kind of fell into his lap. Uh, but if you do land a player of that caliber, it can change the entire dynamic of your program. And for Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, is in a little bit of a different stratosphere than LSU was I understand that but Tennessee's trying to fight their way up the SEC ladder and there's two ways that's going to happen you got to build your roster slowly through recruiting because you got to you know who you playing every year you're playing Florida Georgia Alabama those teams across the board have better talent than you they have better depth than you so you can slowly try to catch up to that or option b you have a superior quarterback that can close that gap immediately that I'm not saying you get JT Daniels, you're going to beat all these teams, but I think if he lives up to the hype and he comes in, then he gives you a legitimate chance to do just that kind of pull some upsets and hell, if he lives up to the hype, maybe you do get the next Trevor Lawrence, JT Daniels, you know, who's just a high schooler now, but you know, you got to start that momentum rolling and, if Pruitt doesn't do it, is not able to do it, what happens if Harrison Bailey doesn't live up to the hype? I mean, it's not like Pruitt's on a lifetime contract. That's These are the decisions that have to be made. You have to – he's got – if they have faith that JT Daniels is a legit talent, I don't think there's any way, no matter what it does to your quarterback room, you got to bring that guy in. What was his injury? I, I 
didn't look that up, Oscar. I think it was a knee thing, so knocked him out first game of the season, out for the season. I, so I'm. That's right. It was an ACL. Yeah. That's right. And he's not a running quarterback, so it's not like he's going to come back and lose that. He's he's more of a pocket type passer, but. I'm, he went from a five two forty to a five three. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that breakaway speed. You're you're confused if he can outrun an offensive lineman or not. And the only reason we're kind of centering this on Tennessee is just because that's the first school apparently that uh, has been the one that's on the radar that was already reported by uh, Charles Powers two four seven Sports. But hell, if I'm LSU with their connections, Ed Orgeron to USC. They recruited this kid coming out of high school. If I'm Ole Miss, I know I'm very high on John Rice Plumley. I've been very, very high on him. But, hell, if you can get JT Daniels, it's basically across the board. If you can get him, if you're an SEC school, I think you got to be making that call unless you're, you know, you're bringing in a stud quarterback that you got all the faith in the world in or you got an established guy. And I don't know. I just think that uh, a guy of this caliber is not going to be available that often. And I think if he can change your program, you got to make that move. Yeah, absolutely. How funny would it be if Plumley goes to wide receiver and all those guys are right and you were so wrong? <laughs> but uh, another thing I keep hearing is, you know, what is what is Bailey going to do if he does transfer into Tennessee? Or like, it, it doesn't matter where he goes. It's like there's going to be a quarterback uh, competition immediately as soon as he steps in. It's like. That's kind of what you want in a university, you know. You don't want the the starting quarterback to be like, oh, yeah, I definitely got it because they're not going to work as hard. You know, it takes a really strong mindset to keep pushing yourself to that level. So I think worst case, it just makes your runner-up better. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I don't think there's been a quarterback out there that is elite, that's afraid of competition. It's just not the way those guys are wired. Justin Fields. I just stomped all over that logic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wait. Well, I don't want to wait wrong. <laughs> then he goes up to Ohio State and just destroys it. And it's like, oh. That's true. I see what you're saying. But at the same time, he signed up to go to Georgia to face Jake Fromm because he thought he could beat him out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he didn't run from it. He he just ran away from sitting on the bench for another year. But he didn't run away from that initial competition. Yeah, that's true. All right. So the big show topic I really wanted to get on here and discuss with Cousin Joe my SEC updated power rankings. And, man, are people pissed at me. 1 through 14, I rank the SEC programs. I do this after every Saturday in the fall, after all the games are played. Immediately I throw this out. I do it during the offseason at different times. Obviously, we didn't have spring football, so that's why I waited till Saturday. That was the date that spring football was set to conclude for 13 of the 14 SEC schools. So, and I hadn't done this since the end of the, uh, you know, LSU's national championship run. So I just figured now be a good time to do it. This is where I have the teams. And just to clear up any confusion, these are not, this is not necessarily like how I see the standings playing out exactly. To me, this is if team A face team B tomorrow on a neutral field, who wins that game? That's how I handle these out. So does that all make sense to you, Cousin Joe? Yep, makes sense to me. All right, so let's start at the very bottom of the list. No surprise, I wouldn't think. Vanderbilt, number 14. Take it down. In my SEC power rankings. And that's just coming off of last year. Hell, the defense was arguably the worst in the SEC. 
that's Derek Mason's side of the ball when your head coach, you know, is not running the, his side of the ball effectively. You just lost four quarterbacks, four quarterbacks this offseason. You're flipping all these coordinator positions. Uh, I, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Vanderbilt to even win an SEC game. So uh, I don't think there's a SEC team that I would pick Vanderbilt to beat right now. Would you? No, I would have put them at 15. <laughs> all right so yeah i think we're right on there now number 13 i struggled with this one a little bit because i had a different team here the last time i did these power rankings but right now i've got arkansas razorbacks number 13 and the key reason for me for that is just the fact that we didn't get spring football and we just don't really know what we're getting in a lot of these programs with uh, new head coaches and new coordinators because uh, obviously we know what the Razorbacks have looked like in years past, but I think Arkansas actually has a lot more talent than a lot of people assume. You know, people that don't follow the SEC or don't follow the Razorbacks, I think they think, you know, there's not any damn good players on this team. But, you know, the front line of Arkansas on both sides of the ball has got plenty of talent. And I really love these coordinator hires they made. I think Sam Pittman's going to get stuff done at Arkansas, but it's really hard for me now to look at them and, and kind of say, without a spring football, you know, how much further can they realistically go in a single offseason? Would have really loved to see them play this spring. So do you have any issue with uh, anything I've said there or having Arkansas number 13 at this point? Man, it's hard to look at them just individually. I'd have to chunk them into clusters. So I put Arkansas, Missouri, and South Carolina kind of like all in the same group. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think Arkansas, out of those, have the best coaching staff of the group, but the lowest talent. So, yeah, it, it can go either way with those. But, yeah, I, I can see how you put them at 13th, but I can see how you can get them as high as 11. Yeah, all right, so you hit on number 12 right there, Missouri Tigers. I got them number 12. M-I-Z! And the biggest reason for me is the fact that uh, Coach Eli Drinkwitz kept most of his defensive staff, so there's going to be continuity on that side of the ball. The Missouri Tigers' defense for much of the year was pretty solid. You know, I know they they suffered some injuries and there were some setbacks, like Cale Garrett going down that really – uh, seem to really sting that unit, and obviously he's off to the NFL now, but we just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. Apparently they're pushing running backs out the door. That was reported over the weekend. So uh, I think Missouri, that's basically the only reason I give them over the edge over Arkansas is just the fact that they do bring back their defensive coordinator from a unit that was pretty good. So, you know, those players are going to know the system when they whenever they get back to campus while the offense will be a complete new uh, thing there in Missouri. So I'm kind of splitting hairs, like you said, between 12 and 13 in particular, but that's why I got Missouri number 12. And then you mentioned South Carolina. I've got them number 11. And again, this was tough for me because I think South Carolina's got plenty of talent. You're going to see it in the NFL draft here coming up. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is going to be a first-round pick. Brian Edwards is probably going to be a round two pick. I mean, there's elite talent on the Gamecocks, but yet they still went 4-8 and eight last year. I know a lot went wrong, particularly on that offensive side of the ball. I, I really like the hire of Mike Bobo. been very eager to, to praise him all offseason on that hire, and I like Helensky, but until we actually see it, I'm not really 
you know, I think South Carolina has the potential to really jump up this list, but I'm not just going to jump them up there just to do it. You know what I mean? Like I want to see it on the field before I make that call. So uh, any issues with South Carolina 11 and Missouri number 12? Uh, Honestly, South Carolina, I think has the best talent of those three by a large margin, but South Carolina also doesn't have a lot of uh, talent behind the lead talent that's starting, you know, so the depth is going to be the question there. And I, I have to go toward Muschamp's uh, track record. Like he's just not, just not showing up. You know what I mean? Right. So like this is the year it pops and it all comes together and it's good. Or this is the year he gets fired. So I could see if I was to rate those, I go Missouri, Missouri, because it's like equal amount of talent with coaching. So I think Missouri is going to be better in South Carolina. So it's going to be, Missouri, Arkansas, then South Carolina, because I think Muschamp is out after this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. All right, number 10 on the list here, Mississippi State. Some people are upset that I put Ole Miss a little bit higher than Mississippi State. And, again, I'm, I'm really splitting hairs here between number 9 and number 10. I'll just go ahead and say number 9, I got Ole Miss. So I think these teams very similar in a lot of regards. Uh, I think they're both very talented. Both new coaching staffs would have loved to seen how they perform in spring football. We're obviously we're going to be uh, just wondering what's going on in the state of Mississippi till we actually see them take the field. But for Mississippi State, I do have a ton of faith in Mike Leach to get it done overall. But you know, it's a hard thing to judge because when he was at Texas Tech and when he took over at Washington State. It really seemed to take him a little while to get that thing rolling. And I know he's going to be inheriting a lot better players at Mississippi State. So maybe that's that's not going to be the case. But, I mean, you can make the kind of the argument either way. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to take time for this system to come in. Or maybe his players are just going to elevate it immediately. Maybe they will. But I'm just giving the slight edge to Ole Miss over those two. Of those two programs, Lane Kiffin, what he's inheriting, I think uh, I think is a little bit better talent on the offensive side of the ball. Whereas the defense, Ole Miss defense, is probably not going to be as good as Mississippi State. But hell, I don't can't remember a time Mike Leach had a really good defense. So maybe I'm thinking too much of Mississippi's defense. How would you rate Ole Miss and Mississippi State? My number nine, number ten in the power rankings. I put Mississippi State uh, over Ole Miss. And the only reason is because I think uh, Leach, they're both quarterback coaches. They're both running guns, and I think Leach has a better quarterback, a passing quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it depends on what, they, what they're able to get out of Plum, Plumlee, too. But uh, I think also Mississippi State, or not Mississippi State, but Leach's defenses aren't that good because he's, he's always bombing it. He has so many passing yards. The defense doesn't have time to recover. You see that a lot with LSU and their defense last year. I think it's probably the same. But, yeah. I put Mississippi State over Ole Miss. Yeah, and I think just the final thing for me on these two is just my, at this point, seems like infatuation with uh, John Rice Plumley. I think that kid, I know Mississippi State shut his ass down last year, so maybe that's a stupid pick by me. But I think the progression he's going to make this offseason, I think he's going to be a little bit more ready for that Mississippi State defense. But again, I'm really splitting hairs between 9 and 10 here. Could Could have gone either way. Now, here's where things really get interesting, and people are really pissed off on the planes because I got the Auburn Tigers, number eight. The war damn eagle. And then I got so much negative reaction 
people demanding to know why Auburn would be number eight in the SEC. <laughs> and I was willing to go on record. Well, I don't know if this is on record or not, but it's just <laughs> I really think Auburn's going to struggle to make a bowl game next year. Like, I would not be shocked if this is one of those down years for the Tigers. Hell, they hired Chad Morris. It can't get much worse than that. You're, you're hiring Chad Morris to upgrade your coaching staff. They're losing so much on the defensive line. They had the best defensive line, in my opinion, in the nation last year. All those stars are gone. Their entire defensive secondary is being reworked. They had a bunch of seniors and a junior. The junior left school early to go to the NFL. They're totally rebuilt on the offensive line. They've got talented receivers. I'm a, I am a fan of Bo Nix. He's very inconsistent, but I am a fan of his. But there's just so many question marks here with the Auburn Tigers that uh, – and, hell, I mean, they just lost to fucking Minnesota in the bowl game. Like, I can't believe people are thinking it's that far, you know, reaching that I would have Auburn this this low down the list. And, again, we're talking in the SEC, being the eighth-best team in the SEC. You could still be a top-20 team in the nation, but the SEC is just that stacked. So how surprised are you that I've got Auburn number eight on this list? Hmm. Auburn's going to be with – like if I was making my next group, Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky, then Auburn. Uh, they all have high ceilings, and they all could go pretty low, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Auburn's definitely going to take a step back on defense. I think they're going to take a step forward on offense because Bo Nix is going to be a little bit more seasoned. But then you got Chad Morris. I think Chad Morris is horrible coach. And, yeah, he may be an offensive mind and all this other stuff. But Arkansas was – mismanaged so bad and so poorly offensively it's like I don't I it just baffles me so I maybe I'm just dumb when it comes to offensive coordinators but I'm really curious to see how well they improve I don't think that they're going to and I they're going to make a bowl game for sure it's Auburn they're not going to miss a bowl game but it's not going to be a great one and what happens next year I'm not saying this is going to happen because I think I think Gus Malzahn will keep his job, but if he gets let go and then Chad Morris, interim head coach of the Auburn Tigers. Quarterback challenge! (laughs) They get Arkansas late in the year, man. I mean, you know, they would love to see head coach Chad Morris play in Arkansas Razorbacks. I mean, my God, I would pick the Razorbacks 10 out of 10 in that matchup. Upset alert. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number seven on my list. So this was also kind of controversial, I guess, because they're ahead of Auburn, but Kentucky Wildcats. I know, obviously, Lim Bowden off to the NFL, but, hell, they're bringing back a ton. They're going to have a much, much deeper pool of quarterbacks to work with this year with uh, the return of Wilson and the transfer of Gatewood as long as he's eligible, and they still got Sawyer Smith and... Some guys that coming off injury that are returning as well. They're they're going to be deep at running back. They've got talent at receiver, and you know just talking to people up there, they expect this defense to kind of return to form that it was in 2018. And this is going to be an incredibly deep unit. They get they got the transfer from LSU at uh, starting quarterback already. I mean, I don't know. I just think across the board on the defense, and that's what Mark Stoops does. And that's Brad White, their defensive coordinator. He was the one that. Uh, coached up Josh Allen to NFL stardom. I mean, I just really think that Kentucky, this is going to be another year. Not saying they're necessarily going to win 10 games again, but, you know, hell, they were tough as hell last year. And, I mean, we we said this 100 times, they didn't have a fucking quarterback. So, I just imagine 
if they're better on defense, more balance on offense, can actually throw the damn ball. I don't know. Kentucky's going to be a dangerous team. I think they could beat just about anybody in the SEC if they if they play you know turnover free football next season. Yeah, absolutely. I see Kentucky in every game being a pick'em, uh, especially with every East team. You know, uh, I just I think the upside for Kentucky's great. I wouldn't be shocked if they win ten ten games next season. And they're they're um, you know they play in the West Mississippi State every year, and then the other one they get is Auburn. So hell, I'm going to have an opportunity to prove I was right or wrong because Kentucky's traveling to Auburn, and right now I know that game's at Auburn, but I pick Kentucky to win it. Yeah, I win Kentucky too. All right, number six on my list here: Tennessee Vols. Vols are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we plays at. Some obviously in Knoxville think that's a little low. I think that's right about the sweet spot for the Vols. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, they're bringing back literally everybody on the offense and defensive line. I think that's uh, something that always gets overlooked, but is one of the most important aspects in football. Uh, You know, they got uh, some very talented defenders last year. I mean, look all over the roster. There was true freshmen, you know, starring for that team, whether it was a running back, linebacker, defensive back, uh, wide receiver, I mean, these players, as long as I know it's, it's, it's kind of all guesswork without a true offseason, but if those players continue to progress, another stacked recruiting class coming in here from Jeremy Pruitt's program. And, um, you know, the, obviously the huge question mark with Tennessee is the quarterback. I mean, if they have solid quarterback play, they may be able to play with just about anybody. But at the same time, hell, we've, they've lost to fucking Georgia State. So, I mean, that's the wide range we can get from Tennessee's offense at this point. What do you think about uh, the Vols right there at number six? Chugga, 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 choo-choo. <laughs> the hype train, no, I want to tamper the hype train. I think Tennessee is up there with Kentucky. I think they're going to be sneaky good. Big question marks, definitely quarterback play, as it's been for the last year or two. It's just, uh, I don't know, if we get good quarterback play, I think it'd be great, but – in my personal opinion, I like to be pleasantly surprised by Tennessee, seeing how I am a homer. So, like, if they go in and upset someone I wasn't anticipating, that's way better than getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see them being below Kentucky because I think Kentucky has fewer question marks, which is <laughs> – they're going to have a quarterback, and that's going to be better than what they had last year. We're going to have the exact same quarterback, so we don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be improved or not, so we'll see what happens there. I would flip, I would flip those two and put Kentucky up Tennessee. Ooh, hot take there, but I like. I don't. I can't really disagree with you. I think they're, again, razor margin here between these two. But going into the top five, I I do think there's a separation. Number five, I've got the Texas A&M Aggies. I know, you know, I've said it many, many times. I'm firing up Aggie Nation here. I think there's an outstanding chance A&M is 10-0 to start the season, 9-1 at potentially if they, if maybe I'm underrating Auburn here. But either way, Texas A&M returning a ton of players. You know, they got a senior quarterback. Both coordinators return. Uh, they Much like Tennessee, they had freshmen all over that roster making an impact late in the season. Again, if those guys continue to progress, they're going to be star sophomores here for Jimbo Fisher. I try not to factor in schedule at all when I do this. Like I said, it's team A versus team B. So if I'm th- this again, this is not me projecting how they're going to finish because I think Texas A&M is going to finish a lot higher in the standings. But if they continue to improve week in week out, you know they could be a real threat to win that division. But my only concern here is sometimes 
you know, I'm not a Kellen Mond hater. I don't want Aggie fans to think that after last week's episode breaking down Kyle Trask versus Kellen Mond, but the truth of the matter is he's he's very inconsistent at times. Still a very good player, but, you know, look at Clemson two years ago. He looked like a Heisman winner, and then last year Clemson, he, he was all out of sorts. So not to the level of Jarrett Garantano, but Kellen Mond is still is almost in that same area where you just don't know what you're going to get from him. If good Kellen Mond shows up, I think Texas a and is going to be a hell of a team next year. What, so what are your thoughts on the Aggies I got at number five? All right, so this is where we get crazy. This is like the next group of or next bracket for sure, but I don't want to agree with you, and I'm going to put Alabama there. Ooh. Ooh, hold on. I'm going to put Mac Jones, Alabama there. Now, if they get a different quarterback in there and they're able to open up that playbook to those explosive wide receivers a little bit better, then Alabama bumps back up. But as it sits, I put Alabama there because I think Texas A&M is a more rounded team and a better team than Alabama will be with Mac Jones. Ooh, man, that's a good tease. I got Alabama coming up, but not quite. Number four, LSU Tigers. Well, Tigers. A lot of, you know, it's interesting. I saw a lot of. Um, LSU fans react to this, and they they feel a little you know betrayed that I got the damn defending national champions number four. I almost had them number three. I honestly did. You know that game is in Baton Rouge. I think there's an outstanding chance LSU wins that matchup against Alabama for the second straight year. What that'd be incredible. But you know sticking on LSU for now, number four. I know they're losing a ton, but uh, you know there's still plenty of talent there in Baton Rouge. The, the biggest question mark for me is this Miles Brennan. The fact that LSU's not out there trying to get transfer quarterbacks in kind of tells me all I need to know. You know, they've got confidence in him. Still want to see it on the field. But I think uh, the, the defense, with how much talent they've got, I know they're switching to the 4-3 under Bo Pelini. There could be some transition there. But I think, uh, I think LSU's defense – is actually going to be a lot better next year. Now, I don't think the the offense, obviously, is going to be close to the way it was. It was maybe the best offense of all time, and they're having to replace so much, but there's still plenty of talent there. Pretty confident that LSU is going to win 9, 10 games next year, but again, fourth in the SEC, that's still, you could be a top five team in the nation and be still be fourth in the SEC. So thoughts on LSU right there at number four. Yeah, I'm going to back up. I'm going to put Alabama above LSU. So it's going to be Texas A&M, Alabama, then LSU. Because I think LSU is going to – they have to replace so much. They're not going to be as dynamic offensively, and they're going to have to rely more on defense. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to drop them down a little bit. All right, so that's – now you want to talk Alabama. That's where I've got them. I've fired up all Roll Tide Nation there. Number three, Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide! How could I not have Alabama number one? And I'm just not seeing what all these people are seeing. I mean, I know Alabama's ridiculously talented, one of the best rosters in the NFL, (laughs) best rosters in college football, and, of course, the SEC. But, hell, same thing could have been said last year. They they lose two games. Uh, They got their ass whipped by Clemson two years ago. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just starting to see the cracks in the foundation there at Alabama. I'm not saying they're – Hell, if I got them third in the SEC, they're probably a top five team. But just that margin of error is so slim. I think Tua, you know, for all this talk of him falling in the draft and all this, like, 
That's got nothing to do with college football, but he was such a dynamic player. And I think it's incredible to me how many people are just overlooking the fact that he's not going to be there anymore. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I mean, those, those were far and away their best outside receivers the last several years. I know uh, Waddle is, is elite in the slot and he's coming back, but a slot receiver without those dynamic outside guys is just not going to be as valuable in my opinion. So I don't know. There's just so much firepower being lost at Alabama and everyone expects this defense apparently to just rebound. Hell, they haven't been a good defense for, this will be the third year now. So it's not, I don't know. I just think Nick Saban has lost something there. He's never replaced Jeremy Pruitt adequately. Um, they're going to have issues on all over that defense, I think, particularly the secondary. And how many times in history has Alabama had some kind of issues in the secondary? That's always been their their Achilles heel, if you will. And I don't, I don't see it getting any better. So, yeah, I think Alabama's going to drop a couple games here in the upcoming season. And I'm sorry to, to keep saying that, but this is not like a hot take for me. This is this is what we saw last year. This is what we saw the year before against Clemson. And I just think we're we're going to continue to trend in that direction. I think the Achilles heel is definitely the kicker. Yeah, yeah. But no, I agree with you. Like, I, I don't think people are giving uh, credit where it's due with Tua. Like you, I remember Herb Street talking about this kid and he was amazing and saw him in practice and better watch out as soon as he gets the reins because no balls ever hit the ground in practice. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And Hertz was there, and he's doing good. And Hertz is, I think, a really, really good college mm-hmm. quarterback. And he left, you know, because Tua was so amazing. Tua was a great quarterback, and he was the reason Alabama's been as awesome as they have been. And to go from that to Jones, oh, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. They're going to lean heavy on the ground game and heavy on that defense, and the defense isn't as good as it used to be. So. Yeah, I think they're going to fall from grace a little bit next year. All right, number two on the list here. Not a surprise. People are not really surprised at this. We'll get to my number one in just a minute here, but Georgia Bulldogs, number two. I think they're going to have far and away the best defense in the SEC. So you're going to have the best defense in the SEC. you got to be up at the top of the list. Obviously, the big question mark, Jamie Newman, is he going to live up to the hype? But the fact, again... Kind of key to this list right now for me is the continuity factor, given that there's no spring football. You know, how can you replace offensive coordinator, offensive line, new quarterback? I know Georgia's loaded with talent, but you got all those issues on the offensive side of the ball. It's just a little too much for me to put Georgia number one. And obviously, the only team remaining, the Florida Gators, that's my number one team. And hell, I've been saying it on here, again, the margin, in my opinion, between Florida and Georgia is razor thin. So it's not like I'm saying, I mean, my God, I can't believe how many Georgia fans are pissed off I got them number two when (laughs) I'm saying they're probably going to go undefeated outside of the Florida game, and that game is going to be a one-possession game. So Georgia, look at it this way, if Florida goes undefeated and Georgia loses just one game, hell, both these teams are going to the college football playoff. I don't care what anyone says. And then we're going to have two SEC East teams in the college football playoff. And, hell, it could flip-flop the other way. Hell, Florida could lose to Georgia. You know, if Georgia goes undefeated and Florida goes 11-1, and 
I, I still think we could have two teams in the college football playoff, but that continuity with Florida, with both coordinators coming back, with the starting quarterback returning, it, his first offseason as the starter, which keep in mind he just came off the damn bench last year and hadn't really played since high school, and he was lights out the entire season for the most part. Now he's the man in Gainesville. That's the difference for me between Florida and Georgia right now is just – the importance of the of the college quarterback in today's modern football, and I think there's a gap there between Jamie Newman and Kyle Trask. There's sig- there's significantly a gap between Dan Mullen's ability to coach a quarterback and anyone else in the SEC at this point. So I don't know how how surprised were you to see I had Florida number one, Georgia number two. I think when you get to the top here, you're really splitting frog hairs. You know, it's like it's really hard to pick a favorite. But if I was to pick a favorite, I'd pick what you did. And the only reason is because I think Dan's a better coach than Georgia. If you're saying which one's more talented, I think Georgia's easily more talented than Florida. But Florida has fewer question marks. But that being said, uh, I like to – I don't know. It's kind of fun to think about Trask. And uh, is he going to continue being that elite-style quarterback or is he going to slip up similar to what I think Trevor Lawrence did last year? Because I think his first year, he played lights out. He's like, I'm here to prove a point. And I think he may have been one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play college football. But then that next year, like, he was good, like really good. But he wasn't like that elite talent that you saw his first year. So it's like, is he going to keep being trash? Is he going to keep being awesome and propelling himself forward or now that he has the starting position. He knows he's the starting quarterback. Is it going to make him take a step back? Yeah, that that offense said Georgia. If Newman comes in and plays really well, Georgia's going to crush everybody. But yeah, that's that's a big if. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, and I really like your point there about Kyle Trask because that that is that is something to think about because a lot of players come in with something to prove, and it's a lot different when. You start seeing these college football magazines, you know, and, and you're on the cover, and people are picking you to go to the college football playoff, and the expectations were – hell, last year, Kyle Trask had no expectations. If you were to tell me this time last year that Felipe Franks got hurt, I'd probably say Emory Jones is going to step up and be the be the guy at Florida, but it was Kyle Trask that we all know did that. Now, Emory Jones will probably still play, but – yeah, and hell, I mean, hell, he's still got to fight off Emory Jones. Emory Jones could beat him out. I mean, when they op- when they were opening spring, Dan Mullen said it's going to be a competition all off season. So, yeah, that's something to think about as well. Maybe we're discounting Emory Jones a little bit too much, but I just think that highly of Kyle Trask. So, a lot to discuss here. I've been getting tons and tons of negative feedback. People people ask me uh, how high I was, how drunk I was. Uh, if I if I have the corona, if corona makes you retarded, uh, how many brain cells do I have? I mean, I've got a lot of lot of good ones out there. I don't, and I certainly don't mind any negative uh, feedback because hell, this is how I really see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong if I got your team too low. I'm happy to be proven right if I got your team too high. Uh, but legitimately, this is where I see it, and I thought I'd just air it out on this show, kind of go in a deep dive. Maybe if anyone's got any further questions, reach out to us, uh, you know, that SEC podcast uh, at gmail.com or hit us up on the Twitters or the Reddits or what have you. But we're out there to uh, discuss. And uh, I think this was, uh, I think fans will appreciate it. Maybe the Maybe they'll understand these uh, nonsensical rankings a little bit more than they did before.
Yeah, none of them mean anything. It's just whether it's ESPN, FBI, any of that. It's like, everybody's just guessing. We don't have a clue. Yeah, we could talk <laughs> SEC football for forty minutes here, or we could talk about Coronas. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm choosing this avenue, and uh, there's about nine million other things out there if you want that other avenue. But hell, we're trying to give you SEC content, and this is the best we could come up with this week. And I got a, I got a really good guest lined up for the next one. So I think uh, Tennessee fans in particular will really appreciate this guest we got lined up. I'll continue to try to get guests from around the SEC to just keep bringing the content because we want you guys to know that we're thinking about you and uh, just, you know, hell, we got to have something to listen to. So, Wait, did you get Shane to be a guest? <laughs> <laughs> Shane is still MIA. I think he's uh, he does not have the Coronas, but uh, he's he's out there just like the Coronas. He's lingering. We're, we're on the hunt for him. I don't know where he's at at the moment, but... Uh, we'll we'll try to we'll we'll try to contract Shane back on this podcast. Oh, that's great! All right, so I think that's going to do it. Unless you got anything before we uh, hop off here, cousin Joe. No, I appreciate everybody. I had a great time. Love chatting with you. And another thing is like, how often do you show up at a new job and you're like, I work this hard all the time, and then you like fast forward eight years, kind of similar to what I'm doing. You're doing a podcast with two work hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally working really hard. Just kidding, boss. This is definitely after hours. So there's Cousin Joe burning the the candle at both ends here to bring us to some SEC content. I really do appreciate you hopping on with me here, Cousin Joe. Appreciate all the listeners out there tuning in. Remember to, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast app. That really does help us out. We'll send you a free koozie, free of charge, directly to you. Uh, But that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me as always, and I'll catch you on the next one. Awesome. Wash your hands. questions before we get going jt strout there's only room for one jt <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree, buddy